I don't have aspirations to change the world or change anyone, but just to simply connect with people, create a space where it's normal to connect with your body and to talk about the things that come up as you do because it doesn't always exist in your immediate family or friendship circle. I'm an outlier in my friendship group. I'm fortunate that I'm confident enough in what I do that my friends look to me for advice. I know a lot of people who they don't get that support from their their friends and their family. They're seen as the weird person. Oh, you meditate or you have this different belief about things or you don't follow all of the mainstream medical science or not that there's anything wrong with any of that. But there are other perspectives. There's a more holistic viewpoint that can be seen about the process of healing the body. And I just like to normalize these conversations, really. Homesteading can be pretty hard on the body. We've been at it for about a decade now, and I'm 47 this year. And it's fair to say that I've had some pretty disruptive injuries over the last few years. A rotator cuff injury in my shoulder, a torn Achilles, and a lower back injury that's recurred for years now. So I made the decision last year to really try and tackle this injury list, but also my general flexibility, strength and fitness in a much more holistic way that matched the years of the holistic inner work I've been engaged in. And that led me to an organisation called Movement Monk and an online membership program they run called Movement Plus. And the inspiring mindful movement and healing instructor that founded it all called Benny Ferguson. Movement Plus is pretty much my ideal approach to fitness, physical and mental healing and longevity practice, as it combines a truly holistic approach to the body, one that encourages me to really attune to my experience, to learn to make friends with my body and to explore and discover through movement instead of just following some dogmatic, rigid fitness regime. But there's also so much emphasis in Movement Plus on our psychology and on our existential experience of of being here in this body, in this life. So I knew that it was exactly what I was looking for to help me integrate all these aspects of being me even further. And I knew that Benny was the instructor I was looking for because of his own life experience. You know, Benny's journey is one of being a national level Australian athlete to starting his own fitness businesses and then experiencing a a very sudden and highly debilitating spinal injury in the form of scoliosis that forced him to question everything about the way he'd been working with his body and engaging with his life. This led him to a multi-year process of of discovery, including training in the Shaolin traditions, in Tai Chi, 
uh, Qigong, standing meditation, Indian martial arts, and many other modalities. And eventually this new, much more connected, much more compassionate approach allowed his body to heal, which in turn gave him the skills and the experience to help others. He now leads a team of instructors offering recorded and live classes and group and one-to-one settings, helping people to recover from injury and pain, to discover mindful and holistic approaches to fitness, and to move forward with their lives with more confidence and more well-being. The benefits of Movement Plus for me have been great, so I can wholeheartedly recommend it to you. So if you feel inclined to find out more, you can access a free seven-day trial via the link in the show notes. So here's my conversation with Benny. I started by asking him to give a little background as to how he came to this profound work he now offers to others. Well, I I think first and foremost, ever since I can remember, I've just it's it's been a thing in my nature to question things. And it's one memory that just is really strong for me that's still there. And I've been doing this work with the, with the mind and the body for the last 20, 20 odd years and came about like I thought <laughs> I grew up on a vineyard and I thought that I was going to be a winemaker and to run our family winery and vineyard and all of that sort of thing. And then my dad was diagnosed with bowel cancer. And at that time, I was very much on a path, you know, I was studying the things to move into business and winemaking and ticking all those boxes. And there was some moments seeing my dad with all of the tubes attached to him in a hospital bed. And it kind of grinded my gears a little around, you know, here I was like moving essentially into an industry that was about food and alcohol and 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 that lifestyle and i just decided at that point that health's important to me with the family history of bowel cancer his mother passed away so there was there was a real catalyst for me at that point and it it did put my whole life direction into question and so i i just became fascinated by the body like i I got interested naturally at that point in digestive health, in nutrition, in all of these sorts of things. And I embarked further along that journey. I decided to be a personal trainer back in the day, worked in a big gym and very quickly got, you know, I participated in sports as a kid and played high level volleyball for Australia at a junior level and the, the big inv- gym environment was confronting for me. Just watching how that all unfold, I was young and naive, and an eagerness to help people. Got very disheartened when when I was working with clients and that sort of thing, and that people didn't seem to want to help themselves. 
because, yeah. And so I distinctly remember showing up to sessions and asking people, you know, like, have, have you done, what have you done since we last saw each other last week? And majority of people hadn't followed through on the things that they said were important to them. So it kind of, for me, I went back to the drawing board and I was like, well, what, what, what am I doing? What can I do different or better? What do I need to understand about people to help facilitate the change? You know, like, yeah, (laughs) I learned how much responsibility I took on after a long time of of this, of looking at what can I do and, and all this sort of thing. It did thrust me into further exploration into mindfulness and I studied NLP back in the day and neurolinguistic programming and, you know, experienced this world of personal development and mindset and all of these sorts of things. And along the way, you kind of, you go into these things and you, you've got all these shiny new tools and you thrust them out into the world and like, oh, now I can do this and that and all that sort of stuff. And, and I, I found shortcomings in, in everything, you know, and realized that, that there's so much more to people making a change than just doing an exercise or, or, you know, mindfulness or these ideas that get thrown around. And, Anyway, like it just kept going on and on. I started a facility and ran that facility. It was called Cohesion in Melbourne for six years. And that was, you know, well before CrossFit was a thing, you know, it was a functional training facility. And we were looking to give people a different environment to move their bodies without, the, you know, I suppose I spent enough time in that big Globo Gym environment with the treadmills and the machines. And I just wanted to get you know i loved moving my body i loved all of the things that came with that how it brought my mind and body together doing more complex movement tasks and and then yeah cohesion was born and and that was you know we had no mirrors and we would move kettlebells and crawl around on the ground and flip tires and climb ropes and it was it was a, it was a fun place inspired by the the Greco-Roman gymnasium concept of you know, places being a place of movement, achievement, like physical achievement and philosophy. So we would talk about the body and, and all that sort of thing. And, and I, I moved on from that and moved online and realized that there's a, there's a world of people and I've, I've been fortunate enough to connect with really resonant people over the years and those issues that I initially found of people that weren't willing to take responsibility for their own bodies and all that sort of stuff. There's also, you know, a lot of people that are. And so over the years, I've, I've just focused on those people rather than just try and change anyone, I think that was one of my first sort of lessons of I thought that I need to get more skills to change people. All I needed to do was just love what I do, change myself, be genuine in that, and and connect with people that are resonant. 
and and then we collaborate and synergy happens and yeah so you know in the middle of all of that i had a spinal injury which was a big humbling moment for me it's sort of like seeing my dad with bowel cancer you know when i was moving those kettlebells and doing strongman training and kind of wanting to be a young big strong man i got humbled by that activity because i was pushing my body all the time and my body said no so at what point did that happen yeah that was in my mid-20s and it was it was a terrible time for that to happen and the best possible time it could have happened for me i feel in reflection because during that time when my friends were out partying and all that sort of stuff, I, I was struggling to walk and I developed this deep level of empathy and appreciation for having a body that can move and, and also for the aging process as well. And the process of healing, I was gifted to a somatic therapy session by a friend and I'd spent so much time doing at that point, doing, 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 learning, learning, learning. And I hadn't spent that much time like actually being with myself, being with my body. I didn't even know that that was a thing. <laughs> I didn't even know that I could. I just remember, you know, being on a table with a practitioner and Noel was her name and I hadn't experienced presence like this before in this context and some parts of me were starting to unravel it was quite intense as well like a room started spinning and I'm like, what's going on do you mean her presence her presence yeah and yeah. and also like experiencing my own present moment you know like it gets talked about in books and books and books but i think that was probably one of the first times when i'd actually stopped stuff <laughs> something happened and so I wondered what that was you know where that came from being that questioning person I I continued to research you know I, I looked into older healing and and movements and I love martial arts so martial arts traditions and so actually like Shaolin monks came up in that process and all of the practices around that you know really kind of formed around movements, the martial context, meditation, and, you know, energy worked or Qigong-like practices. And, yeah, studied Tai Chi, different forms of Tai Chi, mainly from the Yang Chen Fu lineage, and, and lots of other internal practices, standing meditation, and on and on the list goes. And I wasn't I wasn't interested in like becoming a master at any one of them, and and I'm not. I, I was more so interested in what like what's the common thread between them all, and and so that's that's been a lot of my work of of exploring these practices, be, being a good student. You know, like I think that's probably the hardest thing for me of, of like being a teacher these days of still being humble enough to have that desire to be a good student yeah the beginner's mind yeah yeah and and so I'm, I'm still learning i'm still growing i've accumulated a lot of knowledge i've let go of a lot of knowledge most of it has been unlearning my conditioning 
And I've realized I accumulated a lot of stuff from my childhood that took some unraveling and I'm still going. And, and it's, it's a fascinating process. I'm interested to see where this thread goes and I'm, I'm interested in, in people and the body and yeah, that, that's some of my background that's led me to here. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I love that approach of, I think it suits my aesthetic as well, a generalist approach. So you're looking at the underlying patterns that connect things. Yeah. What are the relationships essentially? So I'd, I'd be really interested to hear a bit more about that in terms of if we're not seeking to master a, a, a narrow silo in one tradition or another, but we're seeking to notice practice and eventually embody the the kind of patterns of nature that underpin all these ancient and modern practices so what what are some of those patterns that you've discovered yeah okay that's a good question well like first i suppose the interest in in all of that has been to transcend the dogmatic opinionated perspective of my practice is the best and, and really like linking this back to nature because similar to you, I, I have a deep interest in nature and how that reflects our nature to us. Of, you know, like there's, there's an element, like there's a duality in everything in nature. Like you know, there's, it's all around. There's day, there's night, you know, there's, there's the heat and the cold, you know, the, the, the damp and the dry, you see these present in Chinese medicine and, and all of these sorts of things. If you can, you can't really understand one without the other, like that, that yin-yang and there's, there's a bit of yin and the yang and a bit of the yang and yin. And if you can apply that to any practice, you very quickly get a, a truth check in where you're coming from, you know? Like even, for example, I was very much in the yang focus for most of my young adult life and in that nothing in nature like and we're seeing it around our planet the the effects of the pushing forward of our culture and all of the things that happen with that and the detrimental effects and that the fact that there's we are interfering with a natural ecosystem that is self-regenerative we are absent from sustainability, you know, meaning something that could keep going on and on forever, like pulling up our resources and all of these things. And so, and, and this was me in my practice, you know, I was, I was, I was trying to pull from a finite resource ongoingly without any consideration for the effects of that in the future. So is that a form of willpower or... Yeah. You know, forcefulness. Forcefulness. Yeah. I think that like there's, there's a good distinction there between power and force. And, but then, you know, interestingly, I, I then flipped the other way, you know, I then moved more into to the yin element. I had this, that I still had this yang mind there. And so yeah. I, I went gung ho at that as well. So like definitely one of those principles that has helped of, just finding the natural homeostasis things and and doing my best to look at that in the ways I'm thinking, in the ways that I'm thinking about my practice, practicing itself. It applies to meditation. It applies to stretching the body, strengthening the body, 
healing the body. There's so many applications there. And uh, a lot of these practices, you know, when you go back to a lot of different martial arts, there's, there's a lot of different animal forms and all these sorts of things. And, you know, while I wasn't there at the time, you can at least hypothesize how a lot of these things may have formed of just observing your natural environment and embodying these different qualities and, and applying it. And then over time, noticing the effects of these things. Yeah. On and on. Here we are. Yeah. So that initial, as you just, as you said, gung ho, I guess, masculine left brain doer. So I'm going to fix this problem by learning a lot of stuff, applying it to myself. How did that approach shift? Was it, was it a gradual recognition that this was in some ways just repeating the same pattern, but in the wellness end of the market, or I'm interested to know what, what the kind of click was that Mm. made you notice it shifted with great pain and suffering (laughs) as it normally does yeah yeah i have a deep appreciation for the necessity it was funny like for a long time when i had a bit more of i consider myself as a spiritual person but not in a it's more just like as an isness that there's there's more to things than just what I can perceive through my five senses. And I, through that spiritual perspective that has largely died now or changed, I, I thought that suffering was bad, but now it's, the, it's, it's been some of the biggest blessings of my life. And I suppose these days it's just a practice of seeing the cause and effect of my choices further along before they have to manifest in a, in a spinal injury or, you know, in something that is, is harder to unravel. And yeah, that's been a big moment, pain and suffering and appreciation for those processes. But in terms of that, if I'm right in understanding what you said, that you had the spinal injury and then you changed approaches and you sought other healing modalities, but you applied the same kind of doer mentality to, to fix. Absolutely. So what was that process like in terms of the, the pain and the suffering that you went through in terms of trying to heal that injury and then the kind of relinquishment of that resistance to pain and suffering? I'm interested in that. How did that change for you? Yeah. Well, if I track back to a bit of a timeline, when I worked, you know, it would sort of happen overnight. You know, upon my reflections back, there were pre-existing things that went unnoticed that were like little wisps from my body that I largely ignored. It's like I could at all. Just to say that. The spinal injury we were talking about is scoliosis, and it was a, like a very profound spinal distortion. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 So it, there was a, a minor level of scoliosis that I carried uh, through my teens, and then catalyzed by an acute injury, and then it compounded as a result of that. So, 
the small underlying issue turned into a very big issue that resulted in me not being able to stand up straight, walk, breathe, like sneezing was the worst, laughing, you know, like normal, normal things that you would do on a day-to-day basis that you think are not a thing. These were like maximum effort, focus things to, to like get out of bed and go for a walk was a, was a really hard thing to do. So, and I, I didn't believe what was happening when it happened because I saw my body in the mirror after the initial instance of the injury and I instantly just tried to move it back and I was met by excruciating pain at that point. And so, but that was my initial reflex of what do I need to do to get back to where I was like I was, I was just trying to, I want to be, uh, I was living in the shadow of my past. Yeah. But that's homeostasis as well, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, and I went through this cycle for a long time. I would get, I would get better and then I would go back to doing what I was doing before, but I hadn't like, I felt better. It's sort of like, you know, cut on the surface, like it's, it's scabbed up and all that sort of stuff. And you get to that point, peel off the scab and you, you just reopen it again. So I, I kept doing that so many times. And so the, the pain was, was building. It was humbling me. Like this was the big thing of like my ego and I still have an ego, a different relationship with, with my human <laughs> self. I think it's important. But it was really running the show and I was really self-oriented and to the point where I didn't have the much peripheral vision outside of me, me, me and what I want and what I do and, and all that sort of stuff. So it was just continuing to humble me back to a broader perspective of life. So then that shift in terms of wanting to get rid of the problem to constantly being faced with the recurrence of this problem. You know, the message from the universe, from your body was not going away. At some point you had to listen and change fundamentally your approach. So what was the process of that? Like, when did that happen? Was there a particular modality that kind of really opened your eyes to that, that you learned or? Well, so a big shift was, and through that humbling process was about it was a really fine line that took some time to develop. Maybe this developed over the years. Real acceptance of where I was. And one of the practices that I got thrust into this, and I, I first got exposed to this by a guy called Mark Cohen. He wrote the book Inside Zanzuang. And I'm, I'm not Chinese speaking, so I, I'm not going to try and pronounce that correctly. But it's basically a book all about standing meditation. Anyway, I've, I've since met Mark. I've had a number of interactions with him and I even interviewed him. He was a real mentor for me. And the practice itself was so simple. It was just standing, essentially, because I couldn't do much else. And <laughs> so the, the, do, the do, 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 like very future-oriented parts of me slowly humbled of you've got to accept where you are and also it's not in a, like a 
I'm defeated way. It's like I, I am where I am and also I'm interested in moving forward amidst that. But at the same time, it's, it's a real knife edge. So, so th- I showed up on a, on a regular basis pretty much almost daily for quite a long time. Standing meditation is still a part of my daily practices in some way, shape or form. But some, some of these practices, I was standing there for, you know, it started just at a few minutes because that's what I could do. And then over time, it extended. And I, I wanted to give up a number of times, but I stuck with it because I don't know if I had many other options. I'd also read a lot about the healing power of just standing still. It's been widely documented in particularly Chinese and Japanese culture as a healing practice. So for me, it was, it started to inform the sweet spot where I'd been swinging into like pure physical and then pure sort of mental, like meditation seated practices, both of which still practice to this day. There was something about being active in the body and being aware inside my body you know, I think I meditated from here for a long time, like conceptually meditated, but this was like yeah. an experiential meditation. And I didn't really know what was happening until it happened. I just gave it some time to soak in, which was, which is a, a big thing. So I sort of let it sink in and it, it then exposed me into the world of somatics and, and all of that sort of stuff. Anyway, long story short, it was probably the primary practice that allows me to be sitting up and do all the things that I want to be able to do with my body with respect as well. So why is that the primary practice then? What did it give you? Well, if you look at it very simply, it involves breathing, you know, which is the primary driver of all our physiological functions so i was standing there i was breathing it's like i had a very simple cue of just like to gently lift my head and let my weight sink okay so fundamentally every breath i was doing this just started off as like almost like a little mantra like head lifts your body sinks and so coming back to some of those principles of nature, like the principle of like opposing forces is, is a, a principle that I noticed and, and applied. Of, I wasn't just like breathing, expanding and collapsing. You know, I was creating space in my body. Yeah. So naturally then circulation started to improve where I felt cold in my hands and my feet. I started to feel improvements of circulation where there can be circulation. Then the healing processes of the body naturally start to happen better and better. My mind was getting more, I suppose it was like a clarifying process because I couldn't really escape myself. It just drew me into, okay, here I am. It's not comfortable. I like, I'm frustrated. You know, all these things were just right there in my front of my face. And I learned or, or maybe it was more unlearning to, to just be with these things that 
you know, I still get frustrated and all these things, but now I can sort of go, I can see it more. It's not, it doesn't become me so much. So, so it was, it was really this wonderful cultivation process that affected me physically, mentally at every level of my existence. And when it then, it was like a foundation that I could apply. I sort of see it now, like the base of standing is present in most movements, at least when we're on two feet, you know, like the way that I stood influenced the way that I walked. Like this is the really interesting thing that I noticed of, okay, as my body's feeling different in this, every step that I'm taking feels different. It was like my body was becoming much more efficient. It was becoming much, if you could imagine like the process of a tree growing and giving, you know, if you're always like uprooting that tree and putting it in new soil, like it's not going to grow that well. So yeah. I was essentially standing there and letting my roots go deeper and deeper. Some fundamental foundations that I stand upon felt more stable. For me, in, in those kind of processes, those kind of practices, and actually generally in my kind of development in terms of learning to just rest as a being, as my own unconditioned nature, there's a, there's a definite l dropping of center of gravity in that process. So did you feel that, you know, when I'm, I'm practicing Qigong or, or these kind of processes, I actually feel like shorter, for example, I feel much lower to the ground. Yes. And, and, and somehow that allows this much more, more efficient, like you were saying, uh, kind of, a, there's less of a mechanistic approach because we're not kind of moving from up here we're just kind of flowing from down in our center yeah 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 i had a really strong experience of that after i was standing for maybe about an hour and this is i some teachers that i was working with i'd been prescribed to stand for this period of time didn't like it <laughs> i did and probably i don't know how much time had passed but it was i was sort of closer to the hour and there was such a strong wave of sinking it was just it was, imagine like just a feeling of like being pulled down by a magnet and i i i actually collapsed it wasn't in a i wasn't tired or anything like that it was just like a very strong magnetic force i can't explain yeah. it logically and after that a it was like I was in a different body. It was it was quite things happen linear, and things sometimes happen like at a quantum kind of level. These shifts, yeah. And so, but there was prior to that, there was a gradual process of feeling my center of gravity shift, even being aware of it. You know, like at the start, I carried so much tension in my around my neck, my chest, my diaphragm. You know, like. Yeah. You know, and logically so, like lifted enough weights and built up this upper body of tension, you know, so I was I was learning to relinquish a lot of that tension. And so the weight just slowly came down lower and lower. And yeah, it's it's it was a, it's a beautiful experience. Brutally mm. sometimes. Mm. <laughs> so how long was that? How long until you felt 
well. Yeah. It was probably about three years because I, I kept re-injuring myself. Yeah. Yeah. So each time it would get a little faster and a little bit faster until eventually I'd learned that lesson, that that chapter. And I was like, was, that part of me had died in a way. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm ready to feel better now. Yeah. And that's more important than whatever other things I thought were important. Yeah. Like actually just focus on, on not that I'm directed by my feelings. Cause I think that's another side of things of like your feelings can't always be trusted. Sometimes things don't feel good, but sometimes feelings are all you've got as well. Like definitely to give some attention to how I'd like my body to feel has had a massive influence on the way that I structure my practice, the intensity that I bring to my practice. It's far more moderate these days. Yeah. Yeah. And that was such a profound process for you that you you brought that into your professional life and started to share what you learned. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it, it's funny, like when... Because I had so much change with that and I've, I've had so many amazing moments working with clients and students over the years. Like I, I remember working with a, a guy who was in a back brace when we first started working and he came to a session after us working together for about six months and he threw the back brace out in that session. It was a really amazing moment and there's been so many different things. He, he was he was very ready to, to do the work and to let change happen. And he was sort of one of my earlier successes with this as my work shifted. And I, I thought actually standing was like the simplest practice and that everyone should do that first. And I very quickly realized that it's also like one of the most advanced practices as well. And that, I had really integrated so much to the point where it felt so easy that I forgot what I went through along the way. And so that's been a, a big part of the process, you know, as I sort of looked into how does t tension manifest in the body and, you know, why do some people get stuck with chronic pain and all these sorts of different things that, you know, I thought I had the answer in one simple practice. It's, 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 it wasn't just a practice thing. It was like actually fundamentally looking at the way we relate with our body, with our physical, like experience of the physical reality. Yeah. 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 And so yeah, I thought it was neat, but there was so much more that was not t tangible. Yeah. And I think that's, I mean, obviously, that's all encapsulated within something like standing meditation, isn't it? There's a there's a nervous system physiological process. There's a there's a psychological experience that's going on, and then underneath that, there's an existential experience that's happening. And when you're new 
you know, when you're just coming into that, then it might just be physiological. It might be, can I stand here? Or psychological, can I tolerate doing nothing, which is anathema to our culture, Yes, for an hour? And, and, and so then you, you're easily drawn back into the, the willpower thing again. Yeah. Can I tolerate this for an hour through gritted teeth? Yes. Uh, but you're you're completely missing the point in that. So yeah. just leads to disassociation um, in my experience. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But you could quite easily see how someone that's very new to any of this kind of approach can approach it as you did, as the doer, as the force. Yeah. Yeah. So so that kind of subtle you know, finding the ways in that 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 work for each individual that 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 unfold those three levels of you know the physiological, psychological, the existential package at once, but in a way that suits them. They have to come at it from maybe first psychologically or yes. physiologically. Yeah, that's a real art, isn't it? It's not this kind of do this, then that, then that. Exactly. It's you know, like one of the the things. Nowadays, like I, I simply look for scenarios that allow someone to go through their own process at their own pace and to be a, a sounding board, essentially, of what's what's happening in in the experience. And slowly but surely, we sort of integrate all of these levels of of, of existing, and in a way. There is a, a deeper level of safety with the present moment being experienced in the body. And and now, you know, after kind of going through that process, you can very clearly see, oh, okay, I can see now why Tai Chi is taught in forms, for example. You know, like it just, it gives you a clear point of focus and it puts you on this path of just like kind of surrendering yourself to something bigger than you. And yeah, it, it goes, it goes far deeper than just like doing something just to get out of pain. You know, generally I find that this is not enough. It's about finding ways and practices that support us to embrace experience. And yeah. I think what you say about the safety, though, is so important, isn't it? Because there's one thing about learning to accept suffering. And there's another thing to notice our fundamental okayness, safety, underneath any suffering that's occurring. Yeah. So it's a very different approach, isn't it? You're not learning to persevere. Yes. You're just recognizing that you can be okay fundamentally and relatively screwed up in that moment, whether it's physical or mental or, you know, both are possible. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And like over the years, I've, I've worked with so many different types of people, people in wheelchairs, people with, you know, who have had half their hip removed, people who had, had full hip replacements and osteoarthritis and all different sorts of things. And for me, they're different. 
ideal has formed of rather than to try and alleviate the suffering or fix things and, you know, like get over here, it's like a lot of it is feeling safe and at ease with where you are, you know, like someone who is in a wheelchair, it didn't mean that at the end of our work, they miraculously got out of the wheelchair. You know, they they were practicing working with their body, with the experience they have, you know, like working with what we've got and then seeing that there is also healing potential of the body that is untapped often. So I, I think that, that that's an, an important part of, you know, when anyone's going on a, on a journey to develop their body or heal their bodies, it, it's in a way of like kind of maximum patience, minimum ambition in a, in a way. Yeah. And yeah. let's talk a bit about where this has led you now, what's going on with the work you do mm. and the movement monk, the organization and, and this, this app you've developed and the, and the, membership program you've developed called movement plus you know tell me what's going on with that mm. well it's for me it's a natural evolution of my work i i i love the exploration of all of the things that we've been talking about and there's so many more parts to it and along the way i've met some wonderful teachers and to be in integrity to the journey that i've traveled it hasn't just been one voice one perspective it's been that that i've deciphered and sort of extrapolated an aggregate experience through a range of different you know like i've resonated with different personalities sometimes i didn't like the teacher but i loved what they were teaching and sometimes i loved the teacher but i hated what they were teaching and so like through through this process i've realized okay i'm i'm one of those lenses i'm just one perspective and i do my best to take as many dogmas out as i can and keep self-checking but still at the end of the day i have my experience i can only experience so much and i'm going to resonate with different people in different ways but there's some really great teachers out there you know yourself is is one of them that and I, so it, there's, there's a real intent to get this work in a broad context out and so it's accessible. And so through the use of technology, we, we can do that. And so plus, so my work is Movement Monk, which was really a, a bit of fun, you know, when I was writing for a magazine, I got given that name and it's it becoming more of, a premise for the celebration of the body and, you know, philosophy and mindfulness and all of these sorts of things. There's more projects that we will build off that over time. The Movement Plus is a real focus at the moment. And essentially it's a meeting place for a wide range of different body-mind practices, you know, for someone that's on a healing journey or someone that it wants to improve like their, their mental well-being or to find more sustainable ways of exercising their body. All things that I found useful along the way. And to have multiple different 
lenses to look through, different teachers to connect through, but we've set it up in such a way that we're all on the same wavelength. So a common thing when you look for stuff on the internet is you'll get in any, for example, look up Qigong, you'll find 10 different teachers talking about why their way is the best. And, and so you can do one and then you do another and you end up the net result in my own experience and talking to lots of other people is you feel like you're doing everything wrong. And that's a, it's a really shit place to exist. So the goal is just uh, like I've along the way connected with some really wonderful people who I felt were resonant and that you could do 10 different teachers' practices but still feel there's a coherence between an overall direction that it's moving, like these people are coming from a similar place. And so... So what is that place? I think it's a place that's less like something to prove. Like that there is so much competitiveness in the, the, the fitness and mindfulness scene that I've experienced of like my way is the best, no, my way is the best to get to convince people that it, it forms this sort of like, like we're all on the same journey, I feel. But yeah, so for me, it's the, the direction is essentially a genuine place of, of sharing from experience, you know, and it's just a very simple place of like going, okay, I'm, I'm not for everyone. I am who I am. I've experienced what I've experienced and I'm going to come from that genuine place and share with you what I've, what I've learned along the way. And mm. I'm not the absolute authority on these things. And I'm okay with that because you will find other people who will fill in the gaps for you. Yeah. And so then it's, it's more of, we, I, I think that we learn better collectively than separately. And, and the, the days of having one master, while that may have been relevant in the past, I think that that's not contextual to our world at the moment. Or we're, we're, yeah. The kind of guru model is. Yeah. I think that, you know, we, we need to. Or it's valuable to for us to all come back to ourselves and rebuild in a way and consciously construct ourselves. And mm. and you know, there's a there's a saying that I, I really appreciate of, you know, it takes a candle to light a candle. And so I feel the teachers that we have so far and the ones that will continue to attract, they'll they've already lit themselves, you know, and they're willing to share and support that ignition process of, of others to maybe not even like start a new flame to, to shine a light on the flame that's already there by just simply them being through that. And so, yeah, but like to me, that's, that's some of the whys as to why these, mm. yeah, why this platform in this way yeah i really like that and i agree completely i mean for me that without many perspectives and many voices you know it it's partial of course 
Yeah. And even our, you know, even our current experience is incredibly partial. So the more we can open to to a broad spectrum of voices while seeking those that are within like you say on on some kind of similar bandwidth or wavelength in that respect then you then you get to experience that thing you were talking about at the beginning which is to see the underlying pattern yes and i think for me what's really interesting about about movement plus is that it's a way to experience that when normally you would have to seek that out in separate silos so the fact that there are people that are predominantly focused on healing from chronic injury and chronic pain or predominantly focused on on movement you know strength flexibility balance and and other teachers that are predominantly focused on healing from trauma releasing of psychological conditioning coming into presence you know these are all th modalities and aspects of being a human being mm. that everyone needs to attend to and that everyone is probably seeking f for kind of guidance in and i know that i've done you know a lot of and obviously you have trying different modalities going to different places trying to fit the pieces together and find that pattern yes and for me something that's really attractive about about movement plus is that it's a place where there's a kind of home for if not all of that a lot of that in one in one experience yes and so you can come as a member of movement plus and attend to your chronic pain or your wish to increase your flexibility and longevity in terms of your physical body and your psychological well-being and your spiritual practice in one community which i think is a actually a very rare asset yeah yeah it's 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 definitely a labor of love and it's it's a large undertaking to to do that and we're we're really just getting like scratching the surface in what's possible and you know like my my commitment is to just keep building with great teachers and and great people you know to essentially have a place where we can serve our greater community you know there's there's so many things that i see that don't have to happen particularly rapid physical degeneration in our world you know like people retire and then like they've lost their livelihood because they they've dedicated themselves towards surviving and you know like doing the things in the world and all of that stuff you know is not taking away from that i'm participating in that world also and a little bit of awareness and practice applied over time you know if we can be that place where you come to for it might just be five minutes or an hour or a period of time that just shakes you out of the routine and brings you back into presence with what the most important thing is, is in like really like your, your body, your mind, because you bring that to everything, every interaction. And I just don't know what would be more important. And I, yeah, I'm, 
I'm really happy that we we get an opportunity to create a space where we can contribute to that. And yeah, yeah I, I don't have aspirations to change the world or change anyone, but just to simply connect with people, create a space where normal, like it's normal to connect with your body and to talk about the things that come up as you do, because it doesn't always exist in your immediate family or friendship circle. I'm an outlier in my friendship group. I'm fortunate that I'm confident enough in what I do that my friends look to me for advice. I know a lot of people who they don't get that support from their their friends and their family. They're seen as the weird person. Oh, you meditate or you have this different belief about things or you don't follow all of the mainstream medical science or not that that's there's anything wrong with any of that but th- there are other perspectives that there's a more holistic viewpoint that can be seen about the process of healing the body and yeah. i just like to normalize these conversations really well yeah i think normalizing is great it's this idea of swimming against the stream of dominant culture that says all the opposite things to what you've just listed can be really hard for an individual. So creating a place where this is normal, there's nothing weird about that, about taking a holistic approach to our whole being, our body, mind system, our existential existence in this life. And I think what's kind of really key is that you're having an experiential embodiment of that with something like movement plus so not just reading books about it and and kind of soaking up the conceptual map of this stuff this is our a normal lived day-to-day reality and when you start to engage in this much deeper much more holistic much broader in my opinion much wiser approach to living you know things unfold your yeah. body hurts less, you can move more, you feel happier, you know, your nervous system is more regulated. These are these are normalized realities then. Yeah. 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 And it, it creates a contrast. Uh, like I'm a big advocate in in that, like the power of reflection and how when when we change within us, how we then reflect that into our environment. And that doesn't always mean it's it's pleasant, but the richness that can come with that of really standing in your truth in your experience. I, I've seen my relationships transform as a result of standing practices. Just being able to to stand in an uncomfortable experience. And and it has come through having people that I could safely talk to about it and then apply it into the spaces that felt a bit more edgy. And, yeah. 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 So at the moment, Movement Plus is a... It's an app, it's a membership program that you you join that gives you access to 
a huge wealth of recorded video and audio lessons, practices, mm. guided processes, but it's also a, a kind of live studio, a live polyclinic in a way of, of, of these teachers that are offering their different practices. So you can come and attend live classes online and in development is the opportunity to work one-on-one -on -one in a kind of more in-depth coaching process with individual teachers. So it's a really comprehensive offering if you're yeah. looking for, for, you know, a, a different way to approach your well-being. Yeah. Yeah. And we, like I sort of, the, the, the intent behind it all is to have that broad offering and to also give the space for someone to choose their own adventure. You know, if, if they just would like to experience guided practices, you know, like show up and follow along with some practices and they're not your typical follow along practices. It's like follow along and find your way in that, you know, which yeah. is meant to mindlessly following along, which is a common approach. And you know, again, that comes back to finding the pattern, doesn't it? Yep. Yeah. And then you play. Yeah. With that pattern. That's it. That's it. Yeah. And so, you know, like someone can choose that basic level of involvement or they can choose to dive a bit deeper if they feel they'd benefit from, because ultimately when you practice, things come up, you know, and having someone who has walked that path or, you know, is familiar with these similar experiences, has empathy for it. It, it fast tracks things a lot. It's sort of like walking a path blindfolded and without the guidance of someone who's walked down that path, you know, the path's littered with like rose thorns and all that sort of stuff. They can kind of more gracefully support you to navigate down that path, but ultimately you're still doing the walk. And yeah, so that's where the other offerings of being able to interact via different coaching conversations a great feature where you can send a video and we can send a video back or attending a live group session or yeah one-to-one -one in person work as well so our intent is to give someone every opportunity to get the support that they need yeah yeah and on top of that it's a community of fellow journeymen and women in terms of a place where this is normalized and where you can feel supported by by the whole community and I think that in itself is is so necessary yeah yeah brilliant so what's your we allow ourselves to leave the present moment briefly and project a little bit into the future what are some of your hopes for how movement plus will unfold and flourish in the next months and years well you know like i i have some aspirations that will let me know i'm doing a good job in my contribution to the global community you know of i would love to see millions of people in there not personal gain just to know that there's, I suppose, looking at this broader community and to get to a point where you can go to any city and you could find a community of people and connect 
to, you know, people that are on a similar yeah. wavelength. Yeah. And so that would be one thing that, that I envisage of, of having a really good community, strong community, people that supports each other. I suppose I, I have challenges with the status quo of the way our world is structured, the absence of connectedness and, and trust and humanity. I, I find that as we go through this process of personal practice, that it does, it changes you. You know, you become less selfish and more giving. And yeah, mate, there's an ideal that I, I suppose I have of, of living in a world that's like that, where I, it doesn't have to change the whole world, but I know that there's a pocket within our world where we can, we can connect with people, not just about practice and talk shop, you know, to help each other, <laughs> you know, in any facet of life. And I, I just think working together is is a is an, an underlying vision that I have for this platform is that we we get to know ourselves we identify the the places where we get stuck and where we cut ourselves off and create the illusion of separateness we move through that and we realize we're all in it together and hey you are my brother you're my sister you know even if we're not biologically related like I love you you know and there's there's not there's I'm not give I'm, there's no risk in that, you know, because love can be a really scary thing, and yeah. So these these are some of my ideals and visions and dreams for the future. And if I get two percent of the way toward that, I'll I'll die happy. Yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'd like to die happy anyway. You know, that would be the nice icing on the cake. I'm very excited to share that I'm now working as one of the great team of instructors and coaches within the Movement Plus app. It's a really excellent offering if you're looking for a holistic approach to working with the body-mind. So to find out more about Movement Plus and to start a free seven-day trial you can visit earthbound.fi forward slash movement plus or click the link below that's in the show notes. I'm Dan McTiernan. I'm a transpersonal psychology coach and an embodied meditation teacher. And together with my wife, Johanna, we run Earthbound, a coaching organization working at the fertile edge between transpersonal psychology, embodiment, and permaculture. To find out more, please visit our website at earthbound.fi.